Facebook Live from Washington, D.C. This is Backroom Politics with moderator Justin Russell. And hello out there in Radio Land. It's live to us. This is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It is Backroom Politics. Live from Podcast Village Studio A in Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C. Joining me as they do for every show. In studio with me is the former Undersecretary of Commerce for International Trade, who worked at Last Count under four presidents. He's the man we know as Alan Moore. Hello, Alan. Hey, Justin. And joining us from Moat, he is the former one-star, or he's a retired one-star admiral from your United States Navy. He is Admiral Ken Carradine. Hello, Admiral Ken. I'm glad I'm retired, not former. Thank That's you. true. And also joining us, are you still laid up? Uh, he is the former Joe Biden political operative and bar certified attorney in the great state of Maryland and District of Columbia. He is Dan Lutner Esquire. Dan, you still laid up? Painkillers ease the pain. Oh, good. Better living through pharmaceuticals. Hey, uh, this is the almost last show of the year. Uh, we are going to be, we got a lot to talk about this show. Uh, hopefully, joining us, Sharmila Chari and Laura Chavez will hopefully join in later on the show. Working the board, as always, he is the man that keeps the sounding professional engineer. Rob, the engineer, is back in the cage. And Audrey Howerton up in upstate New York at an undisclosed spa location. Uh, in case you did not see what was happening in a courtroom in the District of Columbia today, a former National Security Advisor and former Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, former National Security Advisor, he was... Re- retired. Retired. Retired General. Uh, he was in a courtroom today, supposedly... To receive his sentence in front of one U.S. District Judge Emmett Sullivan. And about the time they go in, they go in and uh, Judge Sullivan can just proceeds to just go off on uh, Michael Flynn. Michael Flynn sits there, talks about it. He goes off. And in fact, it is quoted as Judge Sullivan is quoted as saying, what am I seeing this in the right wing media? About this, about you being entrapped. Were you entrapped, Mr. Flynn? And General Flynn says, absolutely not. I did this on my own accord. So it causes a stir. The long end of it was General uh, Michael Flynn is still not sentenced. The judge, after going off on this huge tirade for about 45 minutes, turns around and says, I'm going to withhold sentencing until March. Dan Lipner, uh, you are the attorney in residence today. What What is the precedence for this? What happened today? Because this is not something I, I normally would see in a federal court case, particularly one where there's a plea and it's ready to go sentence. So it is a little unusual that the prosecution did have a ha- – offer a suggestion that uh, Flynn not serve jail time, but the judge uh, went in a different direction, which is well within their discretion. Judges have a have a great deal of leeway. And uh, the comment that jumped out of me from the judge was that uh, arguably Flynn sold out his country, or I might be paraphrasing ever so slightly. So the long and short of it is it still gives the prosecution a fair amount of 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 uh, leverage against Flynn since he still hasn't been been sentenced. I'm not certain it's necessary if they if they need additional information from him. That still means Flynn's on the hook, and it could also arguably bait the president into action as well. I don't think that's the judge's intent. But it's to be seen how uh, the White House responds. Dan Lutner, is it possible that this might have been a play by the judge to milk Michael Flynn? I mean, because there's no question, based on what we saw in the sentencing guidelines for Michael Flynn that came out of the special counsel's office, the sentencing recommendation pretty much came out and said that this guy was a model witness. This guy flipped, and not only flipped timely, but flipped completely almost. Is this another play for the judge to really milk Michael Flynn that he still may have more to give the special counsel's office? Not necessarily more to give, even though the special counsel's office can absolutely use the judge's position to get more information. 
But in this case, the judge is well within his rights to say, listen, this plea deal goes too far. This is not equitable. This is not in the interest of justice. And I'm going to wait to decide. And to some extent, I think he's got a point that the Flynn's actions without regard to uh, President Trump in the White House took action against the United States as a whole. So this judge is seemingly seeing that as something that deserves more attention and potentially jail time. Admiral Ken, Admiral Ken, the the judge during this monologue, I mean, that's the only way I can really put it, uh, use the T word, use the word treason. Was the judge out of bounds there or did what Michael Flynn do, according to his plea agreement, amount to treason? Uh, you know, I, I am uncomfortable using that word these days um, because it has almost become as popular as the word collusion. And you know, <laughs> in, in, in times gone past, uh, we have we have executed people for for treason in this country. And what I I think I think it's it's safe to say, and not being a lawyer, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, go with with Dan's uh, assessment of this. Uh, I, I want to say that you know. I'm really kind of, I guess, at some level gratified that um, the judge was having an adverse reaction to what he has seen. So going back a few days, you know, we saw uh, in the last week or so as the uh, the date of the sentencing drew near, uh, Flynn's lawyers offering up um, the uh, the possibility that he that there was some procedural entrapment underway here. Uh, those of us who have served in uniform as general and flag officers kind of had a, a reaction to that because, one, I would expect that the former head of the Defense Intelligence Agency would know. That let alone you, a three-star general. Let alone a three-star general. Let a, when you sit down to talk to the FBI, BSing these guys is not the way to go in any way, shape, or form. And I'm always going to make the assumption, you know, if someone like that is going to come and talk to me, they won want to know the truth as I know it. And two, they probably know things that about the conversation that I probably don't know they know, but, uh, but diverging from uh, an accurate assessment of what went on in those conversations would just be a dumb thing to do. And so having, having those lawyers, you know, position, try and position uh, Flynn's case as being someone who was subject to procedural entrapment probably infuriated this judge. I know it infuriated me when I heard it. You know, sir, you know, you, you, you screwed up. Own it. Move on. It's it's easy. But treason, I, I don't know. I think more facts need to be unearthed. There's some words. There's been some reporting that even on Election Day, Flynn was lobbying for Turkey. Well, Turkey's not our enemy. Turkey's a foreign power. Uh, if, if Flynn was working with the Russians, uh, to take part in some of the misbehavior that we've heard about in the last 24 hours from the the, uh, the Senate Intelligence Committee report, then yeah, there might be a case for that. But boy, treason's a really, really heavy, heavy duty word to use. Uh, Alan Moore, the, the the judge came back and and was talking about uh, the the fact that he was he, he may have, as Admiral Ken pointed out, been working for Turkey even after he was brought in as the national security advisor. Uh, do you agree with that, well, Ken, that, that the, the, the treason word is a little bit over the top and dramatic purposes, or is there some merit to it? Well, so uh, even though in the, history, in the history of the U.S. there have been some, uh, some executions relating to treason, um, it's very rarely used. It's often invoked. I think this judge was pissed off at several things. A lot of the reports uh, that, that surrounded what went on over the last week, Ken talked accurately here about, about the surprise of Flynn's lawyers coming forward on the, on the verge of sentencing when Mueller and his people say, we recommend no jail time. This man has given us 60 hours of cooperate of, of cooperation, and and therefore, um, and, and a lot of and, and 30 plus years of service to the country. We don't believe that there's any purpose to be served by locking him up. 
they should have gone with that. But they didn't. They wanted to say, hey, the, the FBI entrapped him. And then there were other reports that he might be fishing for a pardon from the president by creating some sympathy. And the president has said, you know, good luck, uh, Mike Flynn, just yesterday. Um, and this judge has a history of jumping down on prosecutorial misconduct, most particularly in a Senator Ted Stevens case, right. and I think others. So these guys made a calculated gamble in the in the 11th hour and 58th minute. You're talking about the Flynn the legal Flynn counsel. legal team, but yeah. Flynn is responsible, obviously, for what they do. Um, he took their advice, presumably. And this judge was having none of it, um, he was angry at all of those things and the sins of Flynn. So, um, and so, <laughs> the judge says, "I don't know that he said he's going to postpone till March." He said, "We're going to postpone, and you need to go do any adi- provide any additional help you can." My hunch is that's a zero. Right. Mueller has milked Flynn. One has to assume fifty nine or so hours worth. Um, if he didn't have everything that he thought that he could get, we wouldn't have been in court today. He, he, it wouldn't have been in court today. So I, I think that that this is a case of of Flynn and his lawyers overplaying their hand. And now what it means is uncertainty going forward. An angry judge who is who is <laughs> used the treason word to describe right. what they did, who may give him some jail time. It won't start yet. And during the intervening period, Flynn's going to continue to have to pay for expensive lawyers. He already had to sell his house to pay his legal bills. Right. This is this is a bad day for Michael Flynn, you know, and and some of that was bad strategy. Right, and, and you know the funny thing about it is I, I talked to several uh, attorneys here in in D.C. who have. Uh, had cases brought before Judge Sullivan. Uh, one said today that uh, Sullivan's known for shooting his mouth off from the bench and getting it wrong. Uh, he's not shocked by the way that, that Sullivan went off. Uh, but he also went on to say that he's nobody's fool and knows how to squeeze a, a defendant in a plea deal for every drop he's worth. There might be some calculation here. One, one, one exchange he had, uh, just take a second, one exchange he had apparently with, with Flynn today was he said, look, I don't want somebody coming into my courtroom and having a sentence to a person who's not guilty or wants to plead not guilty. Mr. Flynn, do you think you're not guilty? Do you do you want to change your plea? And Flynn very quietly apparently said, uh, no, no, sir, no. <laughs> Dan Lipner, you know, the, the thing about it is, before they went to recess until March, the judge said that, you know, we're, if you want to take this time and you want to really, really think hard about this, because there's no guarantee that you're going to walk out of here with a zero jail sentence, uh, a zero jail term sentence, rethink this really hard, come back to me in March and, and tell me what you think. Is this putting... In your opinion, is this putting Flynn on an even hotter seat than he's already on? I mean, it it raises the possibility of Flynn making an additional mistake between now and then. So it's not all over, which to Alan's point, yeah, lawyers cost money and this is going to keep going for a while. And that uncertainty is probably not a fun thing to have sitting over your head. But in addition to that, I have a slight suspicion that this is a warning shot to the White House as well, since uh, the president has frequently gotten cute uh, when discussing the federal judiciary or any judges in general. Don't go his way. He thinks they are horrible judges and the worst ever. And he has also kind of whispered, well, whispered as much as this president does, uh, about being treated unfairly and kind of chiming in there. So this kind of public flirtation between uh, Flynn's lawyers and the White House, I suspect the federal judiciary in general, regardless of partisanship, um, as was noted by uh, Chief Justice Roberts a couple weeks ago, is pissed off and does not want this White House venturing into uh, Article Three courts. Uh, this White House seems to forget that the president is not the only constitutional officer 
who has uh, duties to the country and duties to the Constitution. Now, well, so I think that might be part of it. Now, while all this is going on, uh, Alan Moore, w- last week we saw the a, a uh, the president's former personal attorney, Michael Cohen, get sentenced to 36 months in federal prison. A lot of people are coming back saying, well, wait a minute, you know, why did why does Cohen get 36 months and Flynn get a recommendation by the special counsel office of zero term? What's the major difference here? Well, there's the nature of the, of, of the sins committed and there's the timing in which the person came forward, acknowledged guilt and tried to cut a deal. Um, Flynn although he was tossed by the White House for, in effect, lying to the vice president, very early on, arguably under when, when, the, when Mueller started putting pressure not just on him but also his son, he came forward and then became Mr. Cooperative Witness. Right. Um, and and uh, he came there a little late, though, after having lied already to the FBI, um, exhibiting some of the hubris that one uh, is, is, is all too common, sadly, of people who— are going to be at a very, very high level in the next White House. Um, horrendous, horrendous judgment um, uh, by Flynn. Um, but he pivoted fast and then helped. And a- apart from this business, this nasty, ugly business of Turkey representing Turkey, concealing the fact that he was representing Turkey, uh, and I and I think that's part of this plea deal, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Maybe somebody else knows. Um, Cohen had resisted, resisted, lied, lied publicly, lied before the Congress, um, presumably lied initially with uh, other and investigators, investigators. Um, and had a host of other legal sins. He lied to banks. Um, in order to get loans, it wasn't just lying about the president or lying about the uh, the, the 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 circumstances surrounding the payoff to to the two women, um, one via National Enquirer, one directly out of his own pocket. He had a long series of lies, and it took him a long time to decide to come forward and be honest. So. It, it's it's really a matter of timing and also degree and number of different uh, uh, criminal offenses. Dan Lipner, is are we seeing a possibility? Because we know that the Southern the U.S. Attorney's Office, Southern District of New York, uh, otherwise known as SDNY, we know that Southern District of New York is going to have a role in this going forward. Is is there a possibility we're seeing a strategy of good cop, Robert Mueller's office, special counsel's office, bad cop, Southern District, New York? There shouldn't be. That would be entirely improper for the judge to go down that road and and work with prosecutors in that way. I don't think that's what's happening. Why, why, the, why the, I mean, do you agree with Alan's assessment as far as the difference between Michael Cohen and, and Michael Flynn? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Cohen has, prior to Cohen working for Trump, uh, assuming he has a life outside of working for Trump, doesn't seem to have anything that he could hang his his hat on for national service and working toward the interests of the country or working toward justice or working toward the law or working toward honesty. (laughs) Uh, Whereas Flynn, to his credit, uh, does deserve some recognition for his service to the country as well as his service to the special uh, counsel. Having flipped and flipped and seemingly done everything he was supposed to do and answered every request from Mueller's office, he deserves credit for that. Whereas Cohen came around to that late and deserves to be punished for that. Admiral Ken is... Did you or do you think that the cooperation that Cohen's office originally had with the president's legal counsel uh, turned around and burned him in the end? No, I I, I don't think so. I think I think that uh, Dan once again, you know, Dan brought the fact that Cohen had so many other ills. Uh, 
um, I guess, associated with him. And on a, on a timeline perspective, he came around relatively late. Uh, he, he, got, he got religion relatively late. And I think um, by his own words, uh, through um, uh, intermediaries and, and, uh, and interviews that he's given, the, um, the fact that you know, the president's, uh, uh, I guess, pre- presentation uh, with, with Vladimir Putin and some pressure from his family finally brought him around to the fact that he was on the wrong side of things. So I think you know the 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 just desserts that he is getting these days are well earned, and I don't think uh, uh, him working with the president's council at the last minute you know really didn't did anything to him. I think he was he was pretty much hosed. And I think quite frankly, back to General Flynn for a moment. Uh, sorry, Dan, but I think his lawyers hosed him on this one. I really do. I think them uh, setting them trying to set him up as someone. Um, uh, who was a victim of procedural misconduct, either by his idea or the, um, them not being able to talk him out of it, or, or their own idea did not serve him well. Oh, no, on that point, I absolutely agree. Uh, Flynn's lawyers did not serve him well uh, on that front, and most judges worth their salt take umbrage to anything that even remotely hints at anything that is procedurally incorrect in their courtrooms. So that warning shot was due to his lawyers. Now, unfortunately for Flynn, I don't think he can claim legal malpractice for it, but it definitely didn't help. Yep. Yep. I hear you. All right. Uh, We're going to take a break here. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk about other issues facing the Trump White House, including a government shutdown that could happen Friday. This is the best political talk show you've never heard of. Live in Washington. Well, it's live. We're live. You may be listening to this recorded. It's Backroom Politics. I believed and trusted. Now I'm disgusted. I found him out. Had a show down. What I think of him. How much I love him. I got a desperate notion. That's the way I feel today. Because he's making a plaything of my devotion That's the way I feel today Without any reason or a word to say That man turned his keys in, he packed and went away What good is living? I'll soon be giving my body up to the ocean That's the way I feel today That's 
he's making a plaything of my devotion. That's the way I feel today. Without any reason, or a one to say, that man turned his keys in and he packed and went away. What good is living? I soon be giving my body up to the ocean. That's the way I feel. Live from Washington, D.C., this is Backroom Politics with moderator Justin Russell. And we're back for another segment of the best political talk show you've never heard of. It is Backroom Politics from Studio A in Podcast Village, Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C. Joining me as they do every show, Ellen Moore, Admiral Ken Carradine, Dan Littner, Esquire, Rob the Engineer in the cage, and somewhere out there in the hinterlands of New York is our producer, Audrey Howerton. Hey, uh, in case you don't know this, the government might be shut down, or at least partially shut down, come Friday night at midnight. You know, Alan, I got to tell you, the these midnight Friday weekend government shutdowns are kind of wussy. I just find them, you know, if you're going to shut the government down, shut it down on a Monday. Don't come in on a weekend and then say, ha, look, we've shut down the government. Look what we've done. We're powerful. We're strong. And then do it on a weekend when nothing, when nothing's open anyway. Well, if they, if, if they shut down and if this Friday is the day they shut down, and those are two ifs, um, they could change the date or they could simply come up with a resolution. And there's a little bit of effort to come up with something. Um, it, it's not like they can fix it on Monday. Monday's Christmas Eve, so right. it's not <laughs> your average Monday. And so the the Congress is at the moment not scheduled to come back. And by the way, there's so, no Republicans here in D.C. because they got rid of their offices. They got kicked out of their offices, and they have nowhere to live. On the House side, <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Um, that's what they do. They, they The people who are leaving, for whatever reason, are invited to cubicles uh, down, a, down a remote basement hallway, and the new people start coming in and moving into offices, and it's it's all a seniority thing, and and uh, some people who are already here want to move offices, and then the new people get the bottom of the totem pole. Right. But um, the 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 folks leaving, they're not <laughs> don't, here. Don't have don't an care. office, and some are around, and some aren't, and it creates a real problem for for the leadership to know who's in town to vote if we need to have a vote. <laughs> They're not sure. This is bizarre. This is bizarre. Admiral Ken, I mean, it, we are literally watching dysfunctional government at its finest. The, the one hand doesn't know what the other hand is doing, literally, where you have Senate gearing up, gearing up for votes of spending bills that may not even come their way because they don't even have a possible quorum to get something through. Should this be a wake-up call to America saying, okay, wait a minute, we're now in stupid season here in Congress? Well, I I think we've been in stupid season for a while now, and if you're thinking that we're we're just now getting it, you haven't been paying attention to the TV, radio stations, and goodness knows this wonderful talk show. Um, You know – I've 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 sat on the on the side on the on the sidelines of I guess trying to figure out how to stay a Republican for almost two years now, and um and watched as the the leader of the party uh, use chaos to get it to get his way, um, you know last week when I watched the uh, the the White House um, I guess episode of uh, of Crazy Town starring the president Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer where the president said, you know, blame shutting down the government on me because uh, you guys won't fund the wall. I, I almost caught myself screaming back at the TV, shut it down then, shut it down. Because if this is what it's about, then I think it's probably a good stand to make. And if the president is saying, let me, let it let it be on my head, then who, who am I to argue with that? Yeah, but Admiral Ken, the problem is, the problem is, is that, any, again, I, I've said this several times on this show, that anytime there's a government shutdown, it never works. It never looks good or helps out the Republican Party. And They're Justin, the ones that take I, it in the rear end. And Justin, I I, I think we, we we you know <laughs> we we're probably due for that in this situation. I watched Jim Comey yesterday give an impassioned speech 
to the republic to his fellow republicans where are you why are you doing this why are you letting this happen to us and if this is just one more episode of what it takes to get people to wake up and take control of the sleigh again then you know this might be the thing i don't know alan moore the the Admiral Ken brings up a really valid point here is that between this government shutdown uncertainty, between the lamest of lame duck sessions that the Republicans still trying to hold on for one little bit grasp of oxygen of power, they brought in Comey this week, which didn't provide anything. It, they, they're they literally holding on to figure out what's going to happen with this government shutdown rule, and they're not even sure that everybody's going to be here to vote. Is there going to be a persistent problem with the Republican Party in Congress right now? Are they damaged goods? They're definitely damaged goods. What it means for next year, we don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't bode well, but it's going to be a new house with uh, Democrats in in control with enough numbers to 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 be able to to take votes hold their folks um there just aren't enough people around until the new congress is sworn in on the house side the senate's in session the 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 senate's trying to do this this uh, criminal reform bill um and they Which were is admirable. They, they, and it's bipartisan. They've been here it's bipartisan but it's not universally acclaimed but they're working on it and they're also throwing out ideas to try to resolve this government shutdown issue. And there's reports today that that um, McConnell in, and the, and senators are discussing some thoughts with the White House and with the Democrats um, that would be a middle ground between the 1.3 or 1.6 billion for uh, for border security versus the five billion for the wall or for border security. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of room between those two numbers, and there's some other related issues like how we deal with the Dreamers, uh, the 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 DACA program. There are some things that are that are in play. Are they going to happen? I don't know. I'm glad that they're being talked about and that they're in play. You don't need uh, all your people here if you can cut a deal. Then you only need you you only you need, need a, a simple majority, a quorum. You, you need a quorum and a, and a majority of the quorum. I'm not saying it's going to work like that, but on the House side, the Senate's fine. It's got plenty of people in town. They are aware they're going to hang till till uh, they till this gets resolved or doesn't get resolved, and we have a shutdown of some right. indeterminate period. And, and in which, uh, yeah, the president can say, put it on me. I'll close down the government if, if it's about border security. And that's, that was the phrase he finally used. I care so much about my country and protecting it, I'll even shut down the government. Now, everybody knows there's a lot of nonsense that's associated with those terms. Right. But, but his base loves it. And his base is saying, you made a promise. This was your lead promise. Where the heck, how come you haven't delivered on it, and how come you haven't it, it forced people to walk the plank, spend some energy, shut down government, you talk a bigger game than you play. So the president's boxed himself in. We'll see what happens. There is still room for both sides to give. And the one rule that that, that we all know is usually somebody gets more blame than the other, but always when there's a shutdown, Washington and the Congress look and Republicans. like— Dopes. Right. Republicans usually More take, so. take the worst of it, but nobody escapes. So True. there's a True. there's a there's a winner of the battle, but they all lose in the broader war of how people view their government. Dan Lipner in the in the Butch Cassie Sundance Kids showdown that we're seeing here in Washington between the White House and Congress. Did are we seeing the White House blink when we see? Uh, Miss Sanders at the podium talk about we'll find another source of five billion dollars of revenue to fund the wall. Are we starting to see cracks in the armor at the White House holding firm that this it's going to be the wall or nothing? I don't know. The White House could have a back channel to the Saudis to build that wall. Um, <laughs> I, I've heard something about a relationship there somewhere along the way. So they might have access to funding that we don't know about too soon. Too soon. Too soon, Dan. So so it, it's been reported in the last hour or so 
that the president is looking at taking money from the military, from DOD to fund the wall. And you can imagine my reaction to that. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because that's going to go over like a lead balloon over at well, DOD. I was, the, I was thinking would that about cause a Mattis a, a different analogy? Would, would that cause would that cause Mattis to reconsider his position inside the administration? I I, I don't know. I, I Alan, you know, I, I I don't believe the president has the authority to do that. Mattis doesn't have the authority to do that. You'd need congressional approval to do that in any significant way. It's just empty talk. When does that ever stop this administration? It doesn't. It doesn't. I'm just saying that that it, it it's sort of another thing to stoke concern and fear, anger and distress, and then ridicule when people take a closer right. look and say, oh, he can't do that. Now, what he has done, apparently, in the last day is said to other cabinet officials, where do you have some money that you could toss into the pot for border security? Good luck with that, leading yeah. to anything more than pocket change. You know, the by the way, that's also a scene from the movie Dave. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, Democratic Senator from Hawaii, Brian Schatz, today, he serves on the Appropriations Committee, said that uh, President Trump had painted himself into a political corner, is now scrambling to get free. Uh, even in the Senate, Dan Lipner, do, this, do the Democrats have the upper hand going into this government shutdown vote? I mean, I think the Democratic Party has the upper hand across the board as long as Trump is in the White House. So uh, that's a pretty broad. Yes, that, that is a very broad. Well. That is a very broad statement, Dan Lipner. Explain. This is a pretty awful president. So I'm comfortable making a, a pretty broad statement about this pretty awful president. Thanks for going into specifics, Alan Moore. <laughs> Alan Moore, do, do the Democrats have the upper hand here, or do, or do, or do, can the Republicans show? political prowess going on well so the the well 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 a, a, a magnificent and beautiful vision just came across uh, our screen here yeah. in this office and it, it, it's yeah. and it's and it's noteworthy and and, right. and worthy of we're mention. live guys we're doing so, a radio show let's go so i'm just just sharing just you know a little uh a little anonymous um compliment still live so understand <laughs> un understand so the, the Democrats have a strong hand. The Republicans <laughs> aren't without, a, you know, a few cards. They've misplayed them. Um, but it, it's, as, as I said before, if there's a shutdown, it's not one of the things you have to do when you're considering a shutdown is say, OK, what happens on the second day of the shutdown and the third and the fourth and the fifth and the eighth and the tenth? And what's the plan B? And how do we get out of this um, uh, this this sort of game of chicken? Um, and and most people I'm not including the president here who doesn't know enough, doesn't appear to know enough about government to understand how disruptive it is when you close this a part of it down and how ridiculous you end you end up looking. So uh, but having said that, there is room here for a compromise where both sides would get get accused of being something of a sellout, but there would be something in it for the president, something in it for the Democrats. They could both claim victory and we could move forward. Admiral Ken. So you have to look at the world or try to look at the world through Donald Trump's eyes. Does, has, has any previous government shutdown affected him? Really? Not at all. And so it is, it is a threat that he is willing to put on the table and possibly go through with because from his perspective, there's no downside to it. Oh, no, well, one would argue, no, Admiral Ken. Exactly. Is, is, is Secret Service funding uh, already cleared? Uh, but 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 if the, if, on, if the president on. can't travel, that will affect him. Hold on, hold on. So one, uh, that those are those are critical, probably in, in the in the realm of critical services, not going to be impacted. But again, like I was saying before, heretofore, Dan, heretofore, his life has not been impacted by a government shutdown. Now. Now that he's president, that's a situation that might rear its head. But viewing the world as he has seen it up until now, a government shutdown has not been something that has really neg negatively impacted him. And well, so his willingness to go through and do right, it. Right, but, but the, the, 
Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. The, the, the issue, though, is if, if the president had a large base number plus a large middle ground number supporting him, that's something different. You literally have a president with a base plus zero. It, it's going to affect him. It he is going to affect him. He doesn't care. He hasn't. Well, that, cared that's political that. night. That, that that's just being politically naive. Well, Ken. he's politically naive anyway. But so far, that has not stopped him. That is not. That is not shoved him one way or the other. Look at his performance after. I'm sorry. One last thing. Look at his performance after the midterms. His base plus zero uh, issue has not stopped his rhetoric or his actions. Well, and, Alan Moore and Ken and Ken makes a, a, a further point. Um, that that not only has he not been harmed. Now we we had a th- what a three day over a weekend quote shutdown unquote that 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 was that was so modest that even the people in government who were affected by it weren't really. So he hasn't even had a chance yet to be negatively affected. What he has been negatively affected by is the fact that he's not forced to shut down. He talks a big game about a shutdown. And some of his followers say, shut it the hell down, show you're tough, fulfill your promises. So he's feeling the pressure to actually do a shutdown, and he's ignorant about collateral damage and damage to real people in a real place. The other thing, I'll just remind everybody, we talk about a, quote, government shutdown. So a little more than half the government runs without appropriations. It's the entitlement programs. It's the mandatory. It's Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. So The non-discretionary spending. That is not even in the conversation. Right. The, the rest of government, which is a little less than half, 70 or so per 70 to 75 percent has already been funded. So we're talking about 25 percent, one-fourth of half the government. It's one eighth of the government there are about seven or eight federal agencies involved but those seven or eight agencies affect a lot of people still they do on a daily basis i'm not saying they don't all i'm doing is i'm trying to put some 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 parameters around what when we use the terms government shutdown most of government 85 83 percent would continue to operate fully funded and one about about one one eighth. I'm sorry, twelve and a half percent would have some impact, and a okay. lot of those people would and, still and, work. And that's and that's true. And that's true to an extent. The, you know, we're talking about the fact that, yeah, that, that that's that's spin. Let's be clear. It, no, no, to an extent, it is. You're, you're, Dan. Talking, you're, you're talking. You're talking about numbers based on dollars, not numbers based on human beings that are going to be in offices that have jobs to do. So Social Security, while a huge budget, does not exactly have a huge staff. So, but Social Security is non-discretionary. Social Security is also non-discretionary spending. No, Dan's got Dan's Dan has a valid point about if you're talking about numbers of people inf- uh, affected. I'm just trying to put it in perspective. No, I'm not disagreeing with your point, Dan. I think it's it's perfectly valid. But when when people think of a government shutdown and the way the term gets tossed around, there's sort of this fear that oh my God, government's going to stop. Is my Social Security check going to come through? Most people don't know that it will. They but, worry about that. But the problem is, and, and this goes back to people understanding how government works. And nobody taking personal responsibility on how they're governed. You know, you're going to get families that are going to expect to go out to Yellowstone National Park for Christmas, and they're going to get out there, and they can't get in because the national park's closed because of government shutdown. It's ruined their Christmas. You're going to have uh, agriculture, you know, people working on farms that are going to need uh, some sort of agriculture you know, either meteorological advice, et cetera, that may not be available to them. Uh, we're not going to shut down airport security. We're not going to shut down national defense, national security. Those have already been funded. It is the day-to-day mundane stuff that Americans depend on is what gets affected in a government shutdown. People here in Washington get affected by TSA government shutdowns. was almost shut down a while ago. What's that? And that was one of those TSA during one of the government shutdowns during the Bush years. Uh, was excuse me not the, during the Bush years. I stand corrected. During Obama's presidency, where they carve a last-second congressional carve-out, uh, in part just to get members of Congress home. And I'm not kidding on this. 
to avoid shutting down TSA when the rest of the government shut down. Right. So that is one of those points. And business travelers, especially around the holidays, so not just businesses, but regular families around the holidays, like TSA shut down, that would be a big deal. If Democrats actually wanted to fire a, a political warning shot across the bow for the president, what say, and I'm quite certain the uh, Secret Service and all the presidential protection details, both the Secret Service and military, are carved out of any potential shutdown. But if Nancy Pelosi and Schumer said, if the government shuts down, the president should stay in Washington for the holidays until the government is fully funded and fully open. You want to get people's that attention? That would be a good warning shot. You want to really? get he, Hold he on. can do whatever he wants. That's yeah, true. But, yeah. no, but here's the thing is, you, you want to get people's attention this season? Shut down Customs and Border Protection field operations. Shut down the safe travel. So basically, your Christmas presents, shut down Amazon. Shut down, shut down highways. That's how you get people's attention. You guys are talking about things that are not even on the table. I know, but it's still fun to talk about. So. <laughs> you can put uh, it on the table that the president shouldn't leave town. Well, president big George oh, Herbert Walker Bush, big, the, the president 41, stayed in Washington on purpose in order to ensure the White House uh, Secret Service detail could actually have a vacation of their own and not having to protect the president away from their Dan, family. Dan Lipner, <laughs> Dan Lipner, <laughs> are you comparing 41 to 45? Really? Dan is putting a I hole in contrasting forty-one to forty-five. Dan's putting a hole in the snow right now. He's talking irrelevancies <laughs> that have make no difference to anything. Dan, go back on your drugs, Bubba. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it, the point—the point that we've been making consistently is that this president hasn't felt the effects of anything that he has done. He's been able to say things and shoot from the lip without having any effect on him. This is an opportunity to put some effect on him, if for no other purpose than at least perception that he is feeling the pain he is putting on the rest of the federal government. Okay. Well, anyway, let me go to this, though. Dan Lipner, I'll come to you because I'm going to pivot a little bit on this. The, the, the temper tantrum scene that we saw in the Oval Office last week between the president and Senate, minor, or Senate uh, Minority Leader Chuck Schumer and presumptive House Majority or House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. When when we look at that, is is Mitch McConnell literally on an island by on his own, Dan Lipner? I mean, he's he's in an island on his own since he doesn't have a Republican partner on the House that seemingly knows how to govern. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, uh, I am far less impressed with. Uh, than Alan seems to be, and, and let me apologize in advance for misstating your perception of Kevin McCarthy, but he seems to be a Republican base rhetoric person that doesn't really have some, much substance behind him. So, yeah, McConnell, as far as understanding how politics works and how Washington works, is sort of alone for the Republicans, which is an untenable position, at least amongst Republican leadership. I There are a few other Republican senators that, that have some common sense. The Yiddish word would be sechel. Uh, but the, 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 the House base that is all basically Trump loyalists now uh, drinking that Kool-Aid is not a good partnership to have, McConnell. Alan Moore? Well, I'm laughing. I, I've wondered, you know, what, what do I think? What do I think of McCarthy? You know, I don't really know the guy. Well, Dan knows. Dan knows what, Dan think knows what I think. Thanks, Dan. Um, uh, for have in the past. I I don't know how much we've ever said about McCarthy. We, 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 we've certainly we, talked about Ryan and how disappointing he was, but he didn't want the job in the first place, and he delivered on not not wanting it very much, and <laughs> and showed us some of the reasons why he wasn't a great fit for but, that but, for that but job. Let's but, bring this up right but, now, though. But it, but I don't I could love McCarthy, which I don't. I don't feel like I know the guy very well, but but they're in the minority now. Listen, I <laughs> I was a staff director in the Senate. When the, the when the House had had been in in power on the Democratic side for something like thirty eight years, when we had to to negotiate bills with the House, we negotiated with the Democratic counterparts because they were in charge. We it was awkward with our with our fellow Republicans, but they were a, a an 
a somewhat neutered minority who would occasionally be thrown some scraps by their colleagues. We would try to inform them of what was going on without screwing up our negotiations with the Democrat leadership who had the power to decide. That's how it was. That's how it is going to be for the next two years when there's any effort on legislation. The the House minority doesn't have much power, and it's not going to have much power in the next two years. We'll see what happens after so the next election. So I want to ask you the same question. Hold on, hold on. I think that's politically short-sighted. Are you honestly saying that this president, with this Republican minority group in the House that is basically entirely Kool-Aid drinkers of the president's base, will not scream bloody murder for any compromise that goes between the House and the Senate. You don't know that. Dan, Dan that, that's, a, that's a broad brush that you're painting with. I, 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 I think that, you know, again, going back to Alan's point, we haven't really sat down and looked at, knowing Kevin McCarthy, uh, not well, but having dealt with him, he, he's, he's a politically savvy, he's a shrewd politician, he does a good job representing his constituents. But make no mistake about it is anybody trying to get into Kevin McCarthy's head right now, the only person who knows what Kevin McCarthy's going to do when he becomes the minority leader in the House, quite frankly, is Kevin McCarthy. How that plays out between the relationship as House minority, Senate majority is, you know, we you could roll dice and get better odds. I don't think we have an. We, you know, I don't think we have any clue. And then you still have a an administration and a White House that is in complete dysfunction. We didn't even talk about the whole chief of staff issue, which we'll probably talk about in the show later in the in the uh, in the week. But there, there's too many too many variables, too many variables in this uh, for us to start you know looking into the head. But I will. I do agree with Alan. That uh, it is going to be, it is going to be a full contact sport here in Washington come January. You agree? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's it. We're gonna have our end of the year recap coming up. But on behalf of Alan Moore, Admiral Ken Carradine, Dan Littner, Esquire. Rob, the engineer in the cage, thank you very much as always. Audrey Howerton, uh, we love you. We miss you. We'll see you soon. This has been the best political talk show you've never heard of. This has been Backroom Politics from Podcast Village in Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C. Have a great one. Papa, sugar, papa, how come you do?